welcome to Living a Sensory Life, a podcast that I've started talking all things sensory. So my name's Becky, I'm the founder of Sensory Spectacle, and I've run this podcast to teach you all about sensory processing disorder. We're going to be interviewing people, we're going to be sharing strategies, I'm going to be giving you research, and I'm also going to be explaining things to you so that you can help to understand the child or adult you care for or support just that little bit better. So this week's episode is all about our proprioceptive sense. It's one of our most important sensory systems for our everyday functioning. And when we're thinking and supporting about people with sensory processing difficulties, it's a huge part of their life. So why does my child or the person I'm supporting always seem to be really heavy-handed or why do they always seem to break things quite easily? Now this might be a question that comes into your head as you are planning the activities for the day, whether you are at home or whether you are at work and so you then might consider certain activities for that young person or adult to take part in where things can't be broken or someone won't hurt themselves or they will get the most sensory input out of that activity. For us who support people with sensory difficulties, it's one of the most important things. We want to keep the children and adults we're supporting safe, but also we want them to be able to support their own sensory needs so that they can regulate and so that they can enjoy all aspects of their day. So when we observe someone who might seem heavy-handed, who might, when they grab things, they squeeze them really firmly. When they shake someone's hand, they might squeeze that person's hand really firmly. When we notice them playing with things or baking, cooking things, we notice that there's lots of force and pressure being used. Now, this can be down to someone who requires more awareness of how much proprioceptive input they're using. So it might seem that they're quite clunky in the way they do things. So when they walk, they're really stomping. When they're sitting down, they're bumping down into their chair. And so therefore, if it's a child, when they're playing, they might seem quite heavy-handed, but we might notice a lot of that rough and tumble and quite um, firm interaction with either objects, so toys and things that they have in front of them, and their environment. So bumping into walls, cushions, beds, all of the things around them, just to try and get more of that physical feedback so they can feel their body more. So for people with proprioceptive processing difficulties, what can happen is their body isn't receiving, their brain isn't receiving enough messages from their joints and their muscles to tell it how their body's feeling. So they might find it difficult, for example, to feel what their fingers are doing unless there's some resistance work there. So when they start clapping or when they start banging the table or pushing things, when they're pushing and clapping, they're then getting that resistance from their joints and their muscles to feel what that part of their body is doing. 
So when we see someone who's playing with toys, you might notice them squeezing it. And when they squeeze it, actually they break it because the amount of input that they're using in order to hold that object might be more than you or I use when we pick up and hold an object. So that person, when they pick up a toy and they squeeze it and break it, or when they throw it, they throw it really hard, their body is using their average amount, the amount that their brain requires in order to feel where it is when they're doing that action. So to you and I, they might come up to us and give us a hug, but actually we feel that as a really big bear hug because the amount of squeeze that they're using might be a lot more than we might give when we give someone a hug. And that's because their joints and their muscles are requiring more input. They want more feedback so they can feel where their body is before they then go and sit and watch TV or before they go and do an activity or before they go out for a walk or play with something or interact with something. Now, the reason why we notice some of these heavy-handed characteristics is this person has already recognised ways that they can get in that sensory input, they can regulate, they can provide it for themselves without the need of our support. And that's because we always need to feel where our body is just to be able to get up in the morning. So as soon as you wake up in the morning, you can feel your toes and your belly and your arms and your head and where they're positioned on your body. And we can feel that against the resistance of the bed and our blanket or duvet. Some of the people that we support may, when they go to bed, need to be wearing really tightly fitted clothes or wrap themselves up in a blanket or as they're falling asleep, They may use something like a weighted blanket or something where they're getting a bit more resistance to feel where their body is. When we have something on us that, like a weighted blanket, where when it's lying on me, I can feel my body better because of the weight of the blanket, when we're recognised as being calmer. Partly because when we can feel where our body is, our brain can relax because our brain is getting all of the input that it needs to reassure ourselves where we are and what we're doing. So for people who find it difficult to sleep, that can be because we need to feel our bo- where our body is for us to be able to fall asleep. Now it's something we might not realise, we might not think about, but actually for some of our young people who are up and about and walking and jumping and spinning, while we're trying to get them into a bedtime routine to fall asleep, we might misunderstand that as them becoming hyperactive and not wanting to sleep and refusing, and we might see it as some of these negative behaviours. However, it can be for some people that their coping strategy of being able to provide their body with extra proprioceptive input before they then lie in bed and fall asleep. 
And so for some people, it can really benefit them to have some pushing and pulling and stretching activities before they fall asleep. Because when we've used our muscles and joints, our body, our brain can process that feedback and we can feel where our body is. Just think about how your body feels after you've, you know, done half an hour of exercise. It might be yoga, it might be running, it might be going for a walk, it might be swimming. You come home and you can recognise that you feel not only good because you've done exercise, but your body feels good. And part of that reason is because you are aware of where your body is. Your proprioceptive sense is sending messages to your brain and your brain is saying, oh yeah, my muscles feel really good. I can now reach out and pick up a cup a bit easier than if I'd just woken up and, oh, I need to reach out and pick up a cup. And I might find that I'm putting in a lot more effort in order to be able to do that. So when we're questioning why we might see some people who break things quite easily, who seem really heavy handed, who might be rough and tumble with you. So they might bump into you, they might push you, they might squeeze you. Why don't we try and think about, oh, maybe they are requiring more body awareness input. And there's some really effective and simple ways we can add in support for this sensory system into our everyday lives. If we find it difficult to feel where our body is, we'll find it very difficult to do most activities throughout our day. One way that I explain this on my workshops is getting you to think about um, what do you do when you have pins and needles in your foot and you then need to walk somewhere? You might stand up, you put pressure on the foot that's got pins and needles and you can feel those pins and needles even more. But as soon as you start walking, you might find that you really stomp one of your feet onto the ground, so the foot with pins and needles. Or you might find that you put it even lighter on the ground because it's very sensitive because as soon as you touch the floor, you're feeling those pins and needles really intensely. If you imagine that sensation in your hand or your arm, so that morning when you wake up and your arm's feeling really dead and it's all floppy all over the place, imagine if you are wandering through your everyday routine. So you're getting up, you're getting dressed, you're having a shower, you're eating your breakfast, you're doing some work, you're going to the shop, you're going to the dentist, whatever it might be. However, you're finding it really difficult to feel where your hand or foot is. The things that you might do before you then need to do an activity with your hands, so things like feeding yourself or writing or typing, might be some pushing, some clapping, some banging, some squeezing of your fingers just to try and feel where they are. So then when you do pick up that object, whether it's a pen or you're about to type, you have more feeling, more awareness of where your fingers are before you then do that. So some of the coping strategies that we see for people that find it difficult to feel where their body is are these things. So when they're pushing into things, maybe they're pushing into things because their body requires more input in order for them to feel it. But also when they feel it, 
they're feeling a lot more comforted about their body because actually that resistance really reassures them. It helps them to feel really comfortable. So things like walking up and down the stairs where we notice someone's really stomping their feet or if a child's playing with a toy and and we get them their favourite toy and they get really upset because it keeps breaking. Things that we can do are, before they start playing with particular toys, think about how can we do some activities to wake up or use that part of their body. So if it's a little toy car and they're going to be running it across the floor or on a racetrack or whatever it might be, think about can you do some finger-based activities where you're squeezing things together. So in the kitchen, you could get some tongs and do some tong work, so squeezing things. It might just be that you're squeezing things with little stress balls or squeezy toys or you're pushing things or you're pulling um, your fingers or you're stretching them out, um, little finger tugs, whatever it might be. Then when they're playing with their toy, you'll notice that for a certain period of time, when they're playing with their toy, they will be playing with it in a slightly different way to how they might usually, because they don't need that resistance back because they've already woken up their fingers. In the same way, if someone throws things and breaks them, think about how you can do some activities where they're getting that joint and muscle resistance in the upper part of their body. So in their arms, um, can you do some push-ups against the wall? Can you do some stretching, some pulling with an exercise band? Whatever it might be, um, how can you get in more resistance in that upper part of their body? And again, if it's someone who, when they're walking around the house, they're stomping and they're making lots of noise, or when they're walking down the street, they always need to pound their feet, they might run. And that might be because actually they need more of that feedback, that body awareness in their legs. So what activities can you do to then use those leg and muscle joints in order to get resistance for them to feel where their body is? It might be that you have a gym ball and you push your feet on the floor against the gym ball. It might be that you do some jumping. It might be, again, you get your resistance band and you wrap it around your legs and you pull it apart. All of these things are really important in order to help wake up and feel where our body is. If we can include physical activity into our days, we are more likely to be able to regulate that body awareness better. So going back to the days that we do exercise, we'll notice that our bodies feel slightly different. And so can you get out and have a walk each day? Can you do some stretching or some yoga or some resistance work at home each day? Can you do some dancing, put on some music and and just move around? Not only is it great for our well-being, it's also great for our body awareness. So when we are supporting someone who might seem heavy-handed, break things easily, throwing things, let's try and think about, well, actually, why am I recognising that? Why are they doing that? Is it because they require more sensory input? Now, don't misunderstand me, I do know and I am very aware that there's some people that might do these things because actually they require, they're craving more interaction, they're craving more attention and so when they throw something actually it's getting someone's attention, they're getting a response. 
So please do recognise that when we're supporting or recognising this characteristic in regards to requiring communication or attention, we'll support it in a very different way. And that's where you, as the parent or family member or carer or support worker or whatever professional you might be, it's really important that you do accurately recognise and understand that individual's person sensory needs. And you can learn more about that on our Becoming a Sensory Detective online training. But there's also lots of information in our books and our online resources. So this month we've been talking about behaviours. I've been introducing to you the difference between sensory and a behaviour. I've been talking about everyday activity. So why might I find it difficult to distract someone, get someone off their iPad or their tablet? I've also explained why we might recognise some people that constantly hum or make noise or repeat things. And I've also now explained why we might recognise some characteristics which seem a lot more heavy-handed and boisterous. As soon as we can start to understand and really recognise why we are observing these characteristics in our child or the person we're supporting, not only will we know and understand that person better, but we will feel so much more confident in the support that we provide for them. You'll notice an improvement in your day-to-day -day lives because with your confidence and your awareness of how you can support their sensory needs better, that child or young person will feel more confident and will feel more regulated and happy and aware of how they can support themselves as well. So like all the time, if you have any questions about specific sensory characteristics, please do get in touch. I'm always answering your questions. It's important we can provide ways to help someone to self-regulate helping to understand why we're recognising certain characteristics or behaviours that relate to sensory processing difficulties and what that might mean. Because if we support a sensory need as a behaviour, so if we remove it, if we give it as a reward, or if we time that item, so yeah, you can chew on that when you've finished working, or yeah, you can chew on that, but later on, or you just remove that item, we're going to notice a negative response because that person's body requires that sensory input in order to regulate. And when we're not regulated, we'll find it really difficult to concentrate, to focus, to take in instructions. So by us supporting someone through it being a sensory need, we're helping their well-being, but also their understanding of how they can learn to self-regulate for themselves. This podcast was brought to you by Sensory Spectacle. You can find out more about our immersive training and workshops on our website, sensorispectacle.co.uk. We educate about and create awareness of sensory processing disorder internationally. We travel the world helping parents and professionals to understand specific characteristics relating to sensory processing needs. 
On our website you'll find books, sensory support items, classroom resources as well as information about our trainings. If you have any questions please do get in touch, we love to hear from you but otherwise thanks for listening.